All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Tim's here burping his face off again like a gross human being, and I'm here being very polite and cordial. And you I have, have no manners, proof of that. which are important in life, and Tim doesn't seem to understand that because as soon as we press record, he just starts burping, and it's disgusting, and I don't like it. But thanks for joining us, right, Tim? Isn't that gross? If that was true, then everyone would have heard me, but I didn't. There's a so. five-second pause between you press record to when it starts actually recording so tell the truth is that tell me walk me through your choices this morning in terms of the hat are you cold is it a fashion statement what's what was the logic there i think you know the answer to that fashion it's a, it's a fashion statement yeah i'm on the cutting edge of fashion um if you're not watching us on youtube i think you should because i'm wearing a toque and i need to hike it up because i gotta get my headphones on so it looks a little off. And I'm not taking it off because my hair looks bad because I shampooed it this morning. And every time I shampoo it, it looks terrible. So there you go. Tim's just trying to make fun of me like the bully he is. Second question. How's the Christmas shopping going? How would I know? I don't know. Fair. Here's Fair. Here's what I want. I want to get the kids a snowmobile. That's what I want to do. I've wanted to do do that for the last two two years now. But my loving wife says, no, we're not doing it. And I've I found a nice one that's for kids. It's the Polaris 120. So it's like a four-stroke. It's just, it goes like 12 to 15 miles an hour. It's just so basic. But she's still very apprehensive about it. So I think I'm just going to pull the trigger. I don't know, and just just drop it off and say, hey, there it is. It's ours now. But we'll see. But I think she has it all squared away. How do I shop for girls? How would I shop for girls? I don't know. You've had 11 years to figure it out. Don't you think you would have picked up a trick or two? No. Just like dolls and bracelet stuff and necklace stuff and just like garbage that I end up. when When I buy a toy, and I think parents can relate to this, I... Just count the days until I throw it in the garbage. So whether it's an art set with a lot of pieces, I'm like, okay, that'll be quick. If it's a doll, there's a chance it lasts a little longer. 
if it's some kind of jewelry set where you're making bracelets, I'm like, that's a, that's gone today because they, they, they pull it out. It's all over the floor. And I'm just, I'm just like, if you don't touch it, it's gone. And I have no hesitancy anymore. I used to give them a little, little gray area, one, two, three strikes. Now it's just like strike three. This is gone. So as soon as they get the present, I go, if it's on the floor, it's it's in the garbage, you guys. Because I just have no time or patience for any of that stuff. But how often do they notice? Like, hey, where was that art set? Or they ever, or do they forget right away? Are they oh, on it's, yeah, stuff? they could care less. That's that's the, yeah. that's actually very true. They could they could care less. They're on to the next thing. You know, they have an unlimited amount of junk to make make my house mess me messy with. It's amazing. My daughter did have a birthday yesterday. It's her birthday today, Gabriella. We had a birthday party yesterday, so it was fun. Happy birthday, Bunch of junk Gabriella. I'm throw away. Yeah, very good. They don't listen to the show. I don't want them to listen to this garbage. No way. It's this is not. No, not for. Well, they they don't care. They're not they're not cool like we are. All right, Tim. Moving on. Should we get to hockey? Yeah. Who is cool? We'll give better. That's why this show is brought to you by Give Better, the number one sports book in the planet, soon to be. And guess what? They do it the right way. They do it responsibly. So if you have a gambling problem, they'll let you know. They'll say, hey, maybe pull back a little bit. Maybe you're on a losing streak. Maybe reevaluate your picks and how you're going about your selections because it's not working, my man. And if you do lose, they donate 25% of all losses to charity. So even though you're in a funk, you can get a little bit of an up because they're helping you out and donating to charity. But if you are losing, they will send you, Tim, a monthly kind of track record of how your betting's going so it's, it's kind of neat they they are very very aware of how dangerous gambling can be the addiction side of it and they try to help you through it because gambling is fun i like it i love it but i don't want to get addicted to it you know just like everything else so give better is the best responsible gambling app you could find go to givebetter.com to learn more tell them we sent you we should do another ticket giveaway don't you think yeah want to go buy some tickets Oh, no, no, no. I don't buy these tickets. <laughs> Give better buys these. Trust me. This was from us. This would never happen. But anyways, we moving do on. A, a book giveaway from both of us. I don't have any of my books. Do you have one of my books? No. No. So we can't. Somewhere, maybe. We'd have, we'd have to buy one, which I'm not going to. Because my book is terrible. Um, okay. Speaking of bad boys, Eric Branson has finally been suspended by the NHL after his egregious penalty of sticking up for himself and going after Nick Cousins after Nick Cousins tried to take his life, arguably. Tried to kill him. And Eric Goodbranson looked up and saw that the ref had his hands in his pockets because the ref was an idiot. And he didn't call a penalty. For some... I It boggles my mind. I don't want to go down this road again. If you want to know my thoughts, just... Go to the last episode. It was unfathomable that there was no penalty called in this play for Nick Cousins. Moving on. Eric Goodbranson reacted. He jumps up, tries to get at Nick Cousins. Can't do it. They're separated. Later on in the game, Eric Goodbranson takes matters into his own hands. Well, Nick Cousins got a penalty. He did. He didn't get kicked out. Minor, yeah. I, I should. I should pull back the reins a little bit. He goes after Nick Cousins, jumps him. Nick Cousins being the, the very, you know, chivalrous guy that he is, Turtles. And Good Branson uh, pounds him into the ice or tries to. 
He gets one game for this. Do you think this is just George Perrow saying, you know what? I have to suspend you. So I'm just going to give you one game because I don't agree with what happened on the ice. Do you think this is warranted this one game? Should it have been more? Should it have been zero? Where do you fall on this one game? Yeah, I'm okay with this one game. I mean, whether or not it was justified, I think what he did still crossed the line. You know, you grab a player from behind, you're punching him in the back of the head while he's down. He, we can say he turtled, but I don't know that Cousins really had a chance to defend himself. He did earlier on, right after the hit, and he turtled then. But when Gabranson chased him down and, and you know, was wailing on him. Um, so I'm okay with that one-game suspension. I'm a little bit surprised that Cousins didn't get a call or a fine or anything for that hit. Because the hit was still the worst part of all of this, including everything we talked about last episode. All those naughty boys. He was at the top of the list. I don't even like you saying that. What, list? No, Naughty Boys. It sounds weird. Please it's just Christmas not say season. that anymore. Christmas season. It's, it's too, it's too much. It's Nick too Cousins much. I'm a Naughty List. Naughty List is fine, but don't say Naughty Boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. So yeah. here's my question to you. If you don't know about the hit, and that's erased from your memory, Men in Black, bloop. Yep. Does Good Branson get more for just going after Nick Cousins, a defenseless player who has no idea he's going to get jumped? Yeah. Yeah, probably. So if I'm George Peros, I have to judge every instance like it's its own entity. I can't have anything um, changing my mind. I I can't take into account injuries. I can't take into account any other things. That's what we're supposed to do on every individual basis. You can't have any outside stuff and impacting your decision so if it's just tunnel vision on this one minute play good branson coming off the bench going after nick cousins jumping him and punching him multiple times while people are trying to stop him from hitting him and cousins not showing any intent to engage turtling not doing anything why is this not more because it's not he's not viewing it in a vacuum even no what i don't care what he says or how the the rules are supposed to work he knows the situation right because if yeah. so if, they, if i had erased that hit from my mind and all i saw was that clip of gabranton i would assume that cousins had done something like that that doesn't just happen you know what i mean um maybe it wasn't a bad hit maybe cousins said something that crossed the line does that warrant that reaction of violence no, probably not so but you know that he did something. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, he's not viewing this in a bubble. Well, no, he's absolutely not. But I'm asking you, how many games should he get? Because you're supposed to take every incident on its own in a vacuum, like you said. So if he does this on his own and he jumps a guy without notice, you should get five games. You should get three to five. Like, this, yeah. this is egregious. Cousins was not ready to fight that wouldn't you think so this is where it gets all muddled and this is why the ref really blew it to begin with because the ref doesn't do his job should have kicked out cousins cousins should get suspended that should be the end of it good branson doesn't have to jump anybody columbus gets a power play they win the game the ref doesn't do his job good branson feels slighted he has to go after cousins to get retribution good branson gets a penalty columbus is on the penalty kill now columbus loses a game 
Good Branson then gets suspended because what he did was terrible. Now Columbus is even more in the hole because they lose one of their high defensemen. They're penalized more. And it just keeps piling on because one guy who was supposed to be the mediator in all of this, the referee, he's supposed to be the guy who controls the, the game. He doesn't do his job, even though he's standing right beside everybody. So it just it's a snowball effect based on one guy just completely blowing the situation. Going back to George Peros, he's in a tricky situation. Because he wants to do right by Good Branson. Because he knows that it was messed up, that he Nick Cousins didn't get thrown out. He, he feels for him. But Peros is really dropping the ball here. He should go to Good Branson and say, you know what? The ref messed up. That doesn't give you the right to go after him and act like a crazy man. You still have to play within the rules of the game. And guess what, buddy boy? You stepped over that line. You can't just go around seeking justice whenever you want, whenever you feel slighted, and just jump, guys. You get three to five games. I'm sorry. So it's just missed opportunities, guys not doing their job, and George Perils, in my eyes, just blew this one completely. I know it's not the great answer. I'm happy Good Branson only got one game, personally. Makes me happy because I, th- I feel like he was doing the right thing, something that I would have done. But at the end of the day, when you look at the rules, much like the Bills versus the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes is crying like a big fat baby, you never call that, you never call that. He was offside. Those are the rules. Suck it up and move on. You know, look in the mirror. Take, take some accountability. Maybe you should tell your wide receivers not to line up offside. If I'm George Peros, I have to call it like it is. You can't worry about what happened the period before or what's going to happen. You have to call it right in that moment. And Good Branson, that was it was crazy. It was crazy. It was old school. He should have he should have got three to five. If I'm calling yeah, it like point. it should be, you know what so I mean. Why why wasn't Cousin suspended? Why wasn't there even a call? As far as I know, no idea. It's just George Peros, just no clue. They seem to place more weight on certain things and other things. Getting hit from behind doesn't seem to get you suspended for whatever reason. And I, I know you're laughing. It's true. Kneeing a guy doesn't seem to get you suspended. The suspensions come with the stick infractions, with the fighting infractions, those sorts of things. The hits to the head, those are big ones. But the from behind and the kneeings... Not so much. And then Jacob Truba can two-hand a guy in the face and get nothing. Not that I th- think he should have, but maybe it should have been looked at. So there, there's all sorts of... It's just George Perils. I don't know. It's not an enviable position for him to be in, because you, you can never do anything right. There's going to be a side that hates your decision, and there's going to be a side that loves your decision. There's, there's no you know pleasing both sides, but in my eyes, he's just been an abject failure. In his whole tenure, I I don't know. He seems to let guys off, and then he seems to drop the hammer on another guy. Let's see who he dropped the hammer on. Detroit Red Wings, David Perron. Suspended six games for cross-checking Ottawa's Artem Zub after the whole Dylan Larkin fiasco. So Joseph hits Larkin. Larkin runs into Kelly. Larkin goes to sleep. Perron just goes wires crossed. Just cross-checks whoever he sees, catches Artem Zub in the ear. Dirty play. Suspended six games. That is That was David Perron's first and 
only incident he's ever been suspended for. First time offender, which I was very surprised of because he's he's a dirty player. He does a lot of stick work. I'm sure he's been fine, but that's his first instance of being even called to the table for a suspension. And he gets six games. His agent went scorched earth on Peros, by the way. Did you read Alan Walsh? Oh, yeah, I did. I saw that. Just lit Peros up. Absolutely lit him up. Is Alan Walsh like trying to run for president? He seems to be really interjecting him, injecting himself into everything these days. Have you noticed? Yeah, he has no filter. I love it. He's uh, he was part of my company, Octagon. So he was like he's a top guy. So my agent was Ben Hankinson, Hankinson, and Ben kind of answers to Alan. So I, I've met Alan along the way, but. He's on fire lately. But anyways, going back to David Perron, were you surprised six games? He, now knowing that that's, this is his first, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. First incident. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, not surprised. You know, we talked about it the other day. In-person hearing means that they can do five or more. Uh, and you said that he's going to get at least five. And so, yeah. no, not surprised. It was a pretty egregious play right at the hit, uh, at the head, below the ear, around the jaw. Like that's, a very dangerous area, full force after the whistle. It's not a hockey play. So, yeah, no, totally, totally worthy suspension, I believe. Yeah, it's just um, I can see where people get frustrated because there are plays like that. And the guys only get two, three games. You know, it's just I think the optics of it are just bad because he's seeking revenge on Larkin, maybe. And then everybody hates Perron. I don't know. Yeah. Six is a lot for a first time infraction. That's well, a lot. I got Go seven, and I was upset because Louis Erickson dives and just plays awesome on the him. ice. Huh? You could have killed him. You could have killed him. I could have. A lot of people can die all the time, but I didn't. My first time getting in trouble at all, and he hands me seven. Brennan Shanahan, jerk. What's Shan doing these days? Is he still running Toronto somehow? I think so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. When um, is his seat going to get hot? My goodness. Anyway, back to Perron. So it is six games, but the NHLPA is filing an, an appeal on his behalf to reduce the suspension. I don't know what they're going for yet. I don't know if they've said it. I mean, they're probably going to shoot for three or four and just hope that they get at least some some re- reduction there. But I see that on Twitter and I see people talking about it. And their you know their job is to defend the players and and keep them on the ice and keep them paid and all that. But aren't isn't their job also to defend Zub, who's another player, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. where where does that come down in terms of like? If you're Zoo, are you frustrated with the PA for for going after the suspension? How do they defend Zub? Well, since Peron was the one that attacked Zub, say hey, you don't appeal the suspension. But you have to do right by Peron, right? Yeah, but you got to represent both guys. Wrong. Peron was the one in the wrong. Yeah, and then the league punished him. So that's the slate's clean. It's even. They didn't agree with the punishment. So the, you yeah. have to represent both guys, and you can't just say, oh, Zub's not happy with it, so we can't do it. Sorry. Like, obviously, uh, Perron's going to take precedent because he's the one who got suspended. Zub's feelings it, are hurt. Tough cookies, it, man. Suck it up. Does Zub, does Zub get a call from the PA in situations like this? No. Do they kind of loop everybody in? No. no. Well, I've never been the one on the uh, that side of a hit. <laughs> you know, I've, I've never been the Tim Jackman. Of a suspension or the Louis Erickson of a suspension. I've always been the John Scott, the guy getting suspended, unfortunately. But no, I, I wouldn't think so. 
don't know. Anyways, I feel like it should be reduced from six to two. I think two is a nice number. Wow, that's a big. That's big. They usually don't drop that much. He's a first-time offender. You have he's played in the league for how many years? He's got to be at least 10, 15. So did the appeal process? I think it came up in like oh seven, oh eight. Yeah, like he's he's been around. Does, um, does the appeal process go to Batman? I forget how that works. It goes to a third-party arbitrator, and then if that one they don't agree with, then it goes to Batman. Okay. Or it might be the other way around. I can't remember. I didn't appeal mine because I knew Batman would have gave me more. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, bring it 20. to me. I dare, I dare you. <laughs> like, okay. See Batman on the broadcast last night. On which broadcast? The Hawks Oilers. ESPN. Yeah, Hawks Oilers. He was on there talking about the new All Star thing, which I don't think we're going to get into today. But it seems cool. But he's such a. He's just such a rat. Like he has no charisma. He's on the panel no. with like PK and Messier, and like they're just talking and laughing. He's just shaking his head, waiting for his turn. Was he there bobble, in person? Probably does. Yeah, he was on the he was on the desk with them. Yeah, I I didn't see that. I was sleeping. That head probably does when he speaks. Got he, uh, I, I I gotta stop talking badly of him. I really do. <laughs> it's just gonna get yeah. me in trouble. I've already been. Slapped on the wrist a few times for just speaking of that game. Nice transition. What did you think of the hype? Connor versus Connor. Is McDavid the past? No, he's the present. The present versus the future of the NHL, potentially. Number one overall picks. Big hype surrounding both those guys when they were picked. Connor McDavid has lived up to the hype. He's the best player on the planet. Connor Bedard coming into Edmonton. How is he going to match up versus the King, baby? You know, it's like Simba and uh, the the other king. Scars, Scar's brother. Mufasa. Scar. Scar's the brother, the bad guy. Yeah. So did it live up to the hype, Tim? What do you think? Uh, well, let's talk about the hype for a second. So you see it all over, like, Twitter and whatever and, and some TV, which is great. And it's the two biggest players, like the two most marketable players in the league, probably. And they schedule the game for 10 p.m. Eastern. You know what I mean? Like. I get that it's in Edmonton, but maybe you move that one up a little bit to get the East Coasters watching this game that's so important that you're hyping up so much. Um, in terms of the game itself, it was a very high-energy game. A lot of speed. I, I watched the first half of it. Um, Bedard's goal in the first. Oh. I I saw that. I'm like, first of all, I don't know how many players in the league even try to get that shot off. And then a fraction of those are able to get the shot off because he's in traffic, like going across his body with a defenseman right there, you know. And then like the fact is the way he does it. I don't think there's any many people in the world who could do that shot. I thought of like maybe Matthews, maybe Kucherov, like who who else could even uh, just crazy, crazy goal. Um, he looked pretty good. McDavid looked silly. The assist yeah. he had in that little two on one with the nude score is just beautiful. So it was a good game. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was fun to watch. I do think after watching them both on the same ice, McDavid is the better player. The different Bedard level. has more individual skills all around when it comes to small areas, his footwork, his hands, all better than McDavid. McDavid's speed sets him above everybody and his ability to control the puck with speed. That's his separating factor. No one else can do that. McKinnon has the burst. When he first gets that puck, his 0-60 to 60 is better than anybody in the game. McDavid's 50-100, to 100, there's no one even close to him. I, I'm doing a car analogy here. He's so incredibly good. So I think 
I think it answered my question. Who's better? McDavid. At this point. Hands down. Bedard's good. It helps that McDavid has a better supporting cast. He's got Nuge. He's got Kane. He's got Hyman. Dryan Seidel. He's got some defensemen who can get him the puck. Bouchard. Even Ekholm. Nurse. Those guys can get him the puck. Chicago was playing with four rookie defensemen. Seth Jones was hurt, didn't make the trip, so they're rolling with four guys who were in Rockford last year. Not good when you're trying to give an outlet pass. But Dart's playing with just third-line guys. You know what I mean? It's Who is it right now? It's Donato and... It's Kurashev, and it's rotating between Donato and Bovillier and Felino. Oh, yeah. Like It's just been a rotation. They haven't found that guy, but he's playing with third-line guys. So if he had, even Kurashev's not a first line guy. If he had gone to like Arizona or Columbus or Philly, like he's playing with legit first liners. You know what yeah. I mean? Not maybe not better teams, maybe a little bit, but like he's playing yeah. with actual talent. Um, yeah, it is crazy. He'll be fine. And he's he's fine. getting a point per game. Like he's got twenty twenty some points right now. Yeah, and he's getting double teamed every time he's on the ice. Power plays are game planning against him. So it's not like he's just getting power play points every game. The kid's putting up five on five points and he's doing it going against the other team's top checking line and the other team's top defenseman every single shift. Because if you face Chicago, you pretty much just shut him down and that's it. They lost Taylor Hall. They lost Athanasiu. They lose Corey Perry. They got those guys just to like stay in games. And they don't have those guys now. They're, they're glorified like all-star AHL team at this point. I watch him a lot. It's sometimes it's it's tough to watch. But what are you gonna do? Right? Are you gonna go and get someone and spend a ton of money to play with Bedard? No, you can't, because then you mortgage your future. ESPN had him uh, mic'd up last night and he's just he's not saying anything. It's a lot of uh hey, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. And then he goes on the bench like, hey, nice pass. Like that's it. That's that's his level of like, and he knows he's mic'd up, so I'm sure he's like he's a little bit on his best behavior. But the kid is just, uh, I feel I feel for him in a way because he's been on the spotlight since he was ten. Yeah. You know, well he uh, he's eighteen not the years old. Guys, he's eighteen years old, Tim. I know, but will the NHL ever get? Uh, well, I'm gonna bite my tongue because they probably have what they want in like a Trevor Zegers, right? Where he's like. The flashy smile and the attitude and the charisma, but then Trevor Zegers can't even score a goal. It stinks. Um, well, you're 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 yeah. you're leading into my next question: Is Bedard now the face of the NHL at 18 years old? Because they really marketed him that way when he first came out in the draft. It was Bedard, Bedard, Bedard. Is he the face of the NHL? Because right now Ovechkin's long in the tooth. Crosby's done. McDavid didn't grab a hold of that mantle. You got Matthews in the can Canadian market, not so much in the American market. There's no one in the USA market that's really filling that void. Is Bedard that guy? Well, define. How do you mean face? Does that mean that like not all the NHL advert all the NHL advertisements go through him? There was a time when you clicked on NHL.com or you saw any NHL commercial, it was Crosby or it was Ovechkin. That was it. Maybe throw in a Taves and a Kane. That's it, though. There was those four guys for a decade if not longer. They thought it was going to be McDavid. He's got the personality of just a beluga whale. And those guys have no personality, Tim. I don't know if you've ever seen one. Boringest whales you've ever seen. 
Who is it? Who's the guy? Because right it now, is. right now, the face of the NHL is is Paul Bissonnette. Yeah, good, bad, or otherwise. That's that's who it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is probably Bedard in terms of players, but I don't know how many non-hockey fans even know who he is. See that clip of Travis Kelsey last week calling him Bedsy? Yeah. He's like, he couldn't remember his name. He's Bedsy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I can ask someone on the street. They probably know who Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin are, at least in the names. I yeah. don't think many people know Bedard. But that's what I'm getting at. Is he the new face? Because those guys are going to be gone in the next two years. They can't be the face of the NHL when they're not playing in the NHL. Who is the next wave of superstars that's going to carry that torch? Trevor Zegers. You're bad at this. It's, it's, uh, it has to be Bedard. <laughs> it has to be Bedard. And like some of it, he will get more comfortable. You know what I mean? He'll get more confident. He'll, he'll yeah. start to take a leadership role on the team that he probably hasn't needed or been able to take yet. Um, so that'll, that'll change. He'll grow up and everything, but I don't think he's ever going to be a, a LeBron type of personality where he wants the mic, he wants the spotlight. And that's probably a good thing, but it doesn't make the NHL's marketing any easier. Yeah. I've heard from insiders in Bedard's team. He has a team that they're being very selective of wow. how much they let him get out there. So people have been trying to get him sponsors. They just signed on with Lululemon. Hmm. Well, that's a big one. And he's with Sherwood. I'm sure they're paying him a boatload. I got five million bucks from CCM, five thousand dollars. Excuse me, not five million. Imagine how much he's getting from Sherwood. If I got five thousand from CCM a year, yeah. plus plus like gift cards to all these other places. Imagine what he gets a year from Sherwood. Seven digits, seven. I bet you it's in the millions. You see Owatani? Show show me Owatani, the baseball player who signed with the Dodgers. Seventy million a year. Yeah. yeah. That's All deferred. Insane. Crazy. Do you know why do you know why he can defer it? He makes fifty million dollars a year in sponsorship money. Yeah. You believe that? Well now the Dodgers are talking. I mean I mean I don't think it'll necessarily happen, but they're gonna sell the ownership group will sell the team before they have to pay him. Someone else is gonna have to cough that up. Oh, that'd be a pretty sweet move. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, that's a like smart business move. Or something, you know? It's ten years Crazy. from now. 2033, yeah. they got to pay him. So. Okay. Not a math guy, but 23 plus 10. All right, moving on. Speaking about moving, the Washington Capitals, some interesting news coming out of D.C. Their owner, Ted Leonis, Leonisis from uh, 300, he has just dropped the hammer on Washington, D.C. and said, we're gone. Take care, comb your hair. Like We're moving to Alexandria, Virginia. Just across the Potomac, George Washington brings me back to what year was that, Tim? 1776. Tim knows. He was a history major. He is moving the team to Virginia. If all plans go as he wants them to, they'll start digging in 2025 and they will move there in 2028. The lease for the Capitals building and the Wizards building, because he owns the Washington Wizards, is up in 2027. So it would be perfect. You would finish your season in 2027 and move in to Virginia in 2028. Suck those eggs, Washington. I love this power move by Leonisis. Don't you? Leonsis. Um, what a stupid name. No, but I love his move. I don't love it. 
Uh, and Why? I don't know that much about it. I, I have been to D.C. a few times. I haven't gone to a game there, but I love when arenas are right downtown in the city blocks like that. Same with Nashville. Same with Boston, you know, like Minneapolis. Well, Minneapolis kind of tucked away, but like I like the, when the arenas are right there. And so when they're not, and now it becomes like a destination and they're going to build their restaurants and the shops and the offices and, and this, the bars and all that. And I'm sure it'll be great, but I just like the idea of it being right downtown. And I don't know why, what, like, what good do Capitals fans have to get out of this? Well, the fans take it. Yeah. The fans are the ones who are going to be affected. But I, 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 for some reason, I just think that this is a baller move. He's saying, give me this money because he wants to build it downtown. And he's been going back and forth with the city council or whatnot, trying to get taxpayers money. And they said, well, we can't give you that much. And Leonisis says, no. Okay, I'm moving the whole team, the whole franchise. So you will lose your whole downtown infrastructure, basically. Because for seven months out of the year, I bring a hockey game and a basketball game every other night. All the restaurants are full. All the parking structures are full. Everything's full because of me. I bring hundreds of millions of dollars to this downtown core every year. And you're not going to play ball with me to get a new arena built. You're going to you're going to hardball me over a couple hundred million bucks. Okay, okay, I'll move the team then. How do, how do you like them apples? To coin Ben oh. Affleck, how do you like them apples? Like I said, I haven't been. Do you know much about like the arena in terms of is it in good shape? Was it super old? Did you like playing there? Like what was that like? Well, it's a nice. No, it's it's a dumpy arena. It's got the worst locker rooms in the NHL right now. Like they were the only complex that literally had cold showers. It was awful, awful space for the players. I never went to the home team locker rooms, but the visiting area is just atrocious. Close, close second. were the Boston Bruins, by the way, Bruins are bad too. Yeah. Um, but Washington, so it's, it's awful. It's in a great location. It's just an old rink. It needs to be revamped. It needs to be knocked down and built up again. Something needed to happen. It sounds like they've been talking for a long time, Leonisis and the city council, but they just can't get get together on a number. So I love this. I love capitalism. I think it's fantastic. You're a commie. Capitalism. Get it? Yeah. You're just a dirty our, uh, socialist commie. I was talking to our Capitals insider this morning, a friend of the show, Tate Cron from Virginia. He uh, was talking to me about it. He said it's, it's great news for the business and for the, the organization and I guess especially for Virginia, the state or Commonwealth of Virginia, have been trying to get a professional team for many years. It keeps falling through. He's the the governor is like kind of, you know, I'm sure very much hand in hand with Leonsis and Glenn Youngkin. And, and it's going to be like adjacent to Virginia Tech's campus, similar to what um, it did in Arizona. Like get the college involved, bring the students in part of the game. It's going to elevate the schools. Where, so it does. A, I mean, it's huge for Virginia and that area and Alexandria and everything. And he was telling me about all that. I'm like, great, but what about the the fans? And he's like, oh no, <laughs> it's not great for them. I guess if you're if you're living there or whatever, but it does become a destination. I'm sure it'll be beautiful and state of the art and everything, but I don't love it. I just don't love it. It is what it is. I think it's good for hockey. I really do. I think if you don't want to invest in a team and get a rink in your downtown core, then we don't need to be there. Fine. The fans will the fans will come. It's not like it's five hours away. It's just right across the river. So there's a good chance a majority of fans are coming into downtown to watch those games from Virginia. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like Glendale was 
to Phoenix where it's 45 minutes away, terrible traffic, a hard commute. It's right across the river. So I just love it. I think, I think it's a fantastic move from the owner. How many players on the team now will be here to play in the new rink? That are currently on the Capitals? Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. Tom Wilson well, signed long-term, right? Because he'll still be there. He wants to beat that record. So in five years, he'll be playing on a league minimum. And he'll still want to get that record. But gosh, Tim, I don't know. Like, let's see. Wilson will be there because he's signed to 30-31. Dylan Strom will be there. He's signed to 27-28. Gosh, Tom Wilson signed to 30-31. He's 29 years old. That's that's remarkable. He just He's got a lot his, of miles on that body too. He does, and those are hard miles. Those are like those are city miles. They're not highway miles. You know what I mean? He's one. He's a naughty boy. I'll end the show right now if you say that again. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, good move yeah. from Ted Leonis. I like it. Moving on, Tim. What are we talking about next? There's been a firing in the NHL. Who got fired? This was surprising, Craig. Well, I guess it may be not when you start reading it, but I, I didn't have my finger on the pulse here. Craig Berube was fired from the Blues. And so Springfield Thunderbirds, the AHL head coach, is going to come up and, and, and fill that spot in the interim, Drew Bannister. Um, looking a little bit further, when I saw this news, so the Blues had a good start. They were in the top three early in the season. Yep. And then they slipped quite a bit to sixth in the Central. They have three wins in their last ten. They've lost four in a row, two of which were to Chicago and Columbus. And Detroit is probably a team that they feel like they should beat too. So not not a good stretch there. And so he's out. He's gone. Two questions I have are, does this change anything in terms of can the Blues bounce back into a playoff run? Can they bounce back into contention? And how quickly does Barubi get another job? Well, I think he waits to the offseason. He's going to be one of those coaches that goes into a team that needs discipline, that needs a hard-nosed coach to come in and kind of change the culture of the locker room. So I think he will get another chance. He's too, he's a Stanley Cup champion. You know, I think he has the resume to get another job in the NHL. So I don't think that'll be an issue. The issue for St. Louis is your top guys aren't producing. Remember when Jordan Cairo was just lighting it up last year and the year before, and he was the new face of the franchise, and... He was going to eclipse 40 goals and a point per game, and he signs that big deal making 8.25 or whatever he makes. He's got 17 points in 28 games. He looks absolutely atrocious in St. Louis right now. Buchnevich was going to have a big year. Braden Shen, their captain, was going to lead this team to success. They have a veteran defense. Shen's got 16 points. Their best player, Tim, is Robert Thomas. Which is nothing bad. Robert Thomas is a good player. He's a hard-nosed player, but he can't be your best player. and He's not even a point per game at this point. So the St. Louis Blues are not going anywhere. They are fluttering. They're just under 500. Arguably, their best player has been Jordan Bennington. He's been very good this year, but their defense is old. There's a lot of miles on them. Their, their forwards are just okay. They're just kind of old and experienced and past their prime. Guys like Shen, guys like Slod, guys like Hayes, Kapanen, Vrana, who just got put on waivers. All these guys are just kind of past their prime. And then it doubles down on the back end with Krug, Paranko, Falk, Letty, Scandella. They've just seen better days. So the new coach is not going to all of a sudden have an uptick in wins. I, I feel like St. Louis, much like Minnesota, is in for a rough year. St. Louis is in for a rough year because they just don't have any good players. So I don't know. There, no, there will be no uptick. I feel bad for my buddies, Mike Weber and 
um, Steve Ott. They're the assistant coaches. They'll be gone soon too. Maybe they maybe they'll get the yank in the off season. But yeah, this franchise maybe. will be getting a new coach come this off season. I, I don't think Bannister is going to last for another year. He'll be there for the rest of the season. But I don't know. Do you do you see them turning it around? No. No, this is like there's not enough talent on the roster, and there's too much dead weight. When you got like Tory Krug's making six and a half, and I like Krug, but he's got one goal, ten assists, ten assists, and he's minus five. You know what I mean? Like Colton Pareko has not been the same since they won the cup. Falk is pretty good. He was good last year, but the defense isn't great. Bennington is a potential to get traded. I don't know who'd want to take that contract, but no, I keep seeing his name. Traded. I keep seeing his name pop up. Um, and the rumors and stuff, and there's not that many goalies on the veil on the market, so I don't know. Yeah, no, this is not a very good team. Well, and it's based on who they're chasing. I think the Predators are better. I think the Coyotes are these very good, all things considered, based on their salary cap situation, their rank situation, which is bad. But they're they're playing pretty good hockey, and then the Wild are starting to pick it up a little bit, and then, and then you got those feisty Blackhawks. You never know what them. But I don't know. I don't really care about St. Louis. I really don't. Do you? No. <laughs> They're kind of like an irrelevant team at this point. They don't have anybody who makes me excited other than Bennington when he loses his marbles sometimes. They're a very forgettable team. Like Which I called their game. Year. I called the game versus them and the Hawks the other night. It was so boring. It was just like so incredibly boring. After the first period, I do my my take on the period and I go, I, I could have fell asleep. It was so incredibly just nothing. Nothing happened. That's what I said. Like, it was a sleepy first period. Hopefully they wake up in the second. Anyways, let's do some quick hits, Tim. I got to wake up after talking about St. Louis. Yuck. Yeah, quick hits are brought to you by DoorDash. Use promo code NATION25 for 25% off your first order and free delivery. Interesting little tidbit here. I saw this on Twitter. Jeremy Lazan, who came up from Boston. He's in. Um, he was with Seattle. He's with Nashville now. He's the guy that got that weird little um, slap shot from Austin Watson last week. He went down with the, the to the knee or the leg or whatever. Um, but Lazan, who's not a noted tough guy, has had a lot of scraps in the last two months and all against like some of the tougher guys who are still in the league. Adam Lowry, Radko Gudis, Braden Shen, Nikita Zadorov, and Nick Deloria. He's fought all of them in the last eight weeks, which is pretty impressive for a guy. I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. You're frowning. You don't care? I'm checking email. <laughs> you don't have any emails. Um, the next thing here, Ethan Bear has reportedly signed a two-year contract with the Capitals. I had completely forgotten about this kid. He hasn't played in the NHL since the end of last season. Um, he has 16 points last year. He was supposed to be a little bit of a spark plug on the back end, supposed to be like an offensive guy when he was traded from Edmonton to Carolina. Hasn't worked out, obviously. I don't know that he's going to do too much in Washington, but hopefully he does have a little bit of a... Uh, Better luck there. He the got injured thing. at the end of last season, so he underwent um, surgery. So he's just getting healthy. And teams have been kicking the tire on him for the last month or so, trying to figure out where he's at in his recovery. So weird to sign with the Capitals. Not a contender, but whatever. Probably Bortuzzo, didn't have too many choices. Bortuzzo's yeah. getting signed <laughs> or traded, traded for. Yeah. Strange. The last thing here, I thought this was kind of cool. I want to hear your take on this. Brady Kachuk last night. He gets a penalty shot. On a breakaway, and Kochekov comes out and poke checks him. Brady must have had his head down for a second because he goes flying, tumbling into the boards really hard. That was like, yeah. I thought for sure something was going to, because he was like feet first. Um, 
and then he's barking at Kochekov for who knows what, right? Was Kochekov in the wrong here? Was that reckless or was that completely a fair play? That's fine. Kachuk's got his head down. He's kind of looking up. Then he looks, as soon as he hits the top of the circle, he buries his head to find the puck, and he looks like he's going to go to his backhand. And it's not like Kachekov came flying out at him. He just stood his ground and just poke checked him. And Kachuk didn't really care for that. They were losing four to one with four minutes left. And <laughs> Kachekov looks like scoreboard. It's, um, Kachuk's always a wild card. People are calling him like out. It. They're calling him a baby about this. I don't think he's being a baby. I just think he's fired up. He could have really gotten hurt because Kachekov doesn't hit the puck at all with his stick. He spears him right in his front foot and makes him go flying. So it was dangerous, and Kachuk couldn't really get together. And he, yeah, he could have hurt himself. But gosh, and the Canes goalie was like, "Yeah, let's fight. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. You're gonna get you beat up, man. Trap. Like, go out on top." I don't know. Poor Brady. The Ottawa Senators. Is there more of a disappointment this season than the Senators? Well, I've thought about that, but there's something that works in their favor is that they still haven't played that many games. Yeah, they, they played 23, but that like it doesn't mean they're going to win them all. They, they're they in last place in the Atlantic Division. And they're five points no, behind the Sabres, but yeah. they have six games in hand. So do you win those they, six games and all of a sudden vault yourself into wildcard contention? I doubt if it. They can- if they continue at 500 for the next six games, and then they're all of a sudden, they're like three points out of a playoff spot. You know what I mean? Like it's, well, they'll right have 28 there. points and they'll be in sixth. So, it, you know, there, there's a lot of if and buts in that sentences, in that sentence. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is a bummer. The Sabres, too. We thought both of these teams are going to be in the playoff contention. They're both at the bottom. We yeah. really missed the, missed the boat on both of those predictions. I'm not going to fall for that next year. The bright future of both of these teams are slowly, slowly going away. And they're just inevitably. Is it just one of those things where those two teams just will never succeed because nobody wants to go and play in those markets? Who was in their prime? That doesn't have to go there. That isn't drafted by that team. Like, what's the what's I mean, the last? Giroux and Tarasenko, but those, they're Tim, definitely not in their prime. Not in their prime whatsoever. They followed the do re me in those situations. Taylor Hall wanted out. And he got a one-year massive deal. Skinner got traded there. Like, there's no no player that I can think of that would want to go there in their free agent year. They're 25 years old entering UFA and be like, "Let's let's go to Ottawa. Let's go to Buffalo. That's what these guys, they just have to overcome that stigma of playing in a, it's like a northern snowy, city that isn't as sexy and fun as like a Montreal or a Boston that has things to do. Auto, there's not much to do. Buffalo, there's not much to do. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to recruit. I went to Michigan Tech. Northern Michigan. Try to recruit a player up there. Darn near impossible. They're doing pretty good, though. They're now consistently in the top 20 of the uh, NCAA standings. Good for I Joe got a, uh, trivia question for you. I got an answer. The, we have, it's December 13th. We are about two and a half weeks out from New Year's Day, the Winter Classic. You are at least an average consumer of hockey te- content. You're checking NHL.com daily. Where is the Winter Classic? Who are the two teams playing? I know this one. Do you? Vegas, Seattle. Yeah, okay. When, where is it? It's in Vegas. It's in Seattle. 
Yeah, T-Mobile Park. Um, it is kind of strange, though. I, I I didn't know it. I saw the jersey release. That's why, because I really like because they're doing the throwback, and I liked what they did with their jerseys. I think it's very, their jerseys are nice. That's why I know it. That came up on my radar about a month ago. So I know more than you do. I'm a hockey guy. All right, anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no. Yeah. Anything else? Well, thanks for, for joining us, everybody. No, I'm 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 good. I'm going to go back to checking my emails. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.